Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our assembled hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Years ago, it was my wife sitting in the pew with, uh, oh, maybe a second grader singing and a sixth grader with a soccer uniform on. And that was kind of the way it went with us for a while. You do this, you do that, your lives are super busy, and you make stop after stop at place after place, and there's a uniform here and cleats there, and a music lesson here, and another thing there, and there's thus and such, and thus and such, and and one of the things I got into with my kids was coaching, and I really enjoyed coaching, and uh, it was just along my heart, I was never that great of an athlete, but I always kind of understood the game, I was too small and too slow at the time to be good, but... I really enjoyed the game and the competition. So when I moved here with my family from northern Wisconsin in February to southern California, it was a great move. Um, (laughs) I was tabbed by the Orange Lutheran guys to come over and participate. I'd grown up and been to school there and graduated in 1982. I had a letterman's jacket and all that stuff. and I was the youth pastor here when I started, so a, a great segue to play football and, uh, and uh, to, to, to get with the young boys who were, who were playing football as well. So I started as a JV coach over there. On the first year that Jim Kunow came, it was the first year of really beginning to build up a, a program. And Coach Kunow was very straight with me. My job was not to win. He said, you're not going to win a lot of games which with my competitive nature was not necessarily a good thing for me to hear. I wanted to hear, you're going to rock people and we're going to kill them, we're going to get after them. And... But our job, the job of the JV team, the four of us, was to get the freshmen and sophomores to be juniors and seniors. And he said, there's going to be games where you take it on the chin, but don't ever give up. The goal is to build a program, not to build a successful JV And so we coached. And a lot of that had to do with strategy and tactics, but even more had to do with building up kids in their hearts, to to make them into a, a program of kids who they were distinct from from the way the world does parenting and kid raising and those things. And so our our team learned at an early age how to put the handout, look them in the eye, and say, well done. They learned how to look a person in the eye. They learned how to shake a hand like a man. They learned how to speak respectfully to adults. And they learned an amount of good posture. Meaning that when you were winning, you weren't back with arrogance. And when you were losing, you weren't hunched over in fear and defeatism. There was something about shoulders back and chin out with an air of confidence, but with a kind of respect that showed that you lived and played for something bigger than just the scoreboard or yourself. And that allowed the students that we coached, the teams that we had, to be alert and ready. When something went nuts and we'd grab one of the kids and say, hey, Billy's out, Johnny, you're in, let's go. Instead of Johnny having to grab his helmet and get his heart in the right place and say, you know, I don't know, he would have his helmet on, his belt piece in, his chin strap buckled, and he'd go out and get after it. That was the kind of teams we coached. 
We didn't necessarily have all the greatest athletes in the world. But when push came to shove, when you played Orange Lutheran in the early 90s, you're going to have to play against some pretty tough kids who would leave it all out on the field ready to go. And whether they pounded you or you pounded them, it was okay. The students knew how to stand. Sometimes at the end of some of those big CIF playoff games, just standing was enough. And in that story, I'm reminded of our text today from Luke 21. Jesus preaching to his disciples about their posture. He says, watch and pray. Look out and pray. Don't fall asleep. Don't quit. Don't be defeated. Shoulders back, chin out. Watch and pray. As he winds down his own earthly ministry, his own time with his disciples, he says, it's going to get hard, but don't wimp out. Don't fall asleep. Don't get lulled into thinking about all of the stuff that everyone else is thinking about. Watch and pray. Stay awake. Stay alert. Watch. Watch and pray. How relevant that message is to 21st century America. We tend to be a somewhat distracted community. They have a lot of things engaging us, and it looks something like this kind of posture. Excuse me, I'm just going to set my fantasy football lineup because kickoff is starting in about two minutes, and I want to make sure that... And I have two emails. Oh, and I've got a Facebook post. Oh, and I've got some Black Friday stuff that's carrying over, and... I've got text messages from my family in California under the family sign of Minifornians and the Browns, Lions, Bears, Love. Yeah, there's lots going on. A lot of trash talk from the Midwest about Southern California. You get my point? Distracted culture, distracted people. We have a lot engaging us. And when the phone goes off, we pick up the phone and we look right away. It's a constant companion. For coaches who coach now, the players and the players' parents have direct access to them. It's a whole different thing than it was in 1993. Sometimes our heads go down. Sometimes our hearts go down. Sometimes our hearts and heads flip-flop as the news changes and our, and our phone text messages fly and someone says this and someone responds. Or on social media, someone says something about something else, whether it's political or economic or personal or whatnot. And hearts and minds and brainwaves and all of those things go up and down, distracting us from some of the people who are closest to us in our lives to the point where maybe our wife has to say, could you just put the phone down? Where the husband says to the wife, they're at Disneyland. They're going to be okay. You can turn off the Find Your Phone app. They're going to be okay. They're in the Matterhorn. But we live at a time of great distraction. And sometimes because of the distracted nature of our culture, we look down instead of looking up. And the difference between looking down and looking up we look down, we miss what's going on in the bigger picture of life. And when we look up, we see more clearly God's working and God's plan being worked out in history, in leadership, and in our own homes and families. Sometimes it's easy to take our eyes off the ball, 
especially when there's so much going on. And Jesus knew that. People then are maybe a little different than people now, but in basic character, not so much. Jesus called his disciples to watch and pray. The same disciples who a couple weeks later would be falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane just before Jesus was to be crucified. Because it's easy to be distracted. And watching and praying, a posture of watching and a posture of prayer, those are hard work and take intentionality and deliberate focus for us in our lives. But we're doing what Jesus has called us to do. He says, go and make disciples, baptize and teach, teach and baptize. And this morning with all the new members coming into St. John's, that's what we do. And as we do it, we watch and we pray. Jesus says, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So the Lord himself gives us a focal point upon which to watch. He gives us the prophecies in the Old Testament that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, that that son, the Messiah, will be the light of the world. He will be the root from the stump of Jesse. He will be a shoot. He will be a baby born in a manger whose name is Jesus who will save his people from their sins. All these little hints in the Old Testament that our children sang about this morning, all these little hints point us to Jesus, to a focal point, to dates and times and people with names, to historical places, not fantasy land or never, never land, but Bethlehem and Jerusalem with real people who really existed so that in the focus of Jesus, a focus that drew shepherds and angels, but today on December 20, uh, this time on December 24th, the whole world slows down as we find a focus on a baby in a manger. And the phones go down and families gather together. And there's a focus that's missing every other day of the year except that Christmas Eve as all of life focuses down to one little baby named Jesus born in a manger. And that Redeemer takes center stage. Jesus, the focal point. Jesus, when we watch and pray, we watch for Him. Watch and pray, Jesus says. Watch and see what's going to happen. And as we watch, we focus on the one who came to deliver grace and truth. Our focus is on the grace of God for us in Jesus Christ. God's love for you is not distracted. God does not get a text message and then say, well, I've got to answer that and set my fantasy league before I get to you. Rather, God is attentive all the time, every day for you. His love not distracted, but focused on you. He takes away our sin and our sins and gives our lives a a trajectory of grace and of love. The focus of God's love for us is found in Jesus and the grace that comes in Him and the closeness of God for you and for me. And we focus on His truth as we watch and pray. Truth that is rooted in the reality of a man who really lived in a real place in a real time. A ministry of healing and preaching and miracles. A ministry that there is nothing that could separate us from God. 
truth is that Jesus' love for us never wears out, never wavers. It's always full speed ahead. Jesus himself, shoulders back, chin out, looking up to the cross. And there for once, sealing the promise of forgiveness and new life with his blood and with his resurrection. Watch, watch, watch. Watch Jesus. And let his birth be a focal point for you throughout your life. And let this Advent season be a time to renew you in that focal point. Watch and pray, Jesus said. You ever have that experience where you start praying before you go to sleep and you wake up and it's morning? And I don't mean weird. I mean like you go to bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock or old people like me, 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And all of a sudden after you've said your prayers, your eyes open and you say, holy smokes. You see, there's a peace that comes from prayer. A peace that passes all understanding. Jesus knew that. That's why he directed us not necessarily to read or pant or compete, but to pray. You see, he started a movement of prayer, a movement that started with 11 disciples and some ladies and some people around a cross. But, but through the prayer and through the love and through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, going to the very ends of the earth, a movement was started. A movement of prayer. Because sometimes when we're distracted by all the things that go on, when our posture is hunched over, it's prayer that says, wait a minute. And we pray and pray and pray. And in a humble posture of prayer, even with the humility of heart and spirit, we find a sense of gratitude for children and grandchildren for peace and grace, for job and income, we pray in gratitude for God. And with a sense of rootedness, we pray in a distracted world that, that God would continue to guide our leaders and our leadership and our citizens and all people in the way of His grace and in His truth. And we're reminded that there's something bigger and grander than just me and what I need and my distractions of life. So we watch and we pray with a posture of confidence we watch and we pray and Jesus says at the end just stand just stand at the end of the day it's okay just to stand he doesn't even say you need to win you got to clobber somebody he says just stand that first year I coached at Orange Lutheran we played Calvary Chapel in Santa Ana both high schools were trying to figure out who they were going to be and they used their sporting programs to make that happen I started with an injured quarterback. We only had about half a dozen plays, and they knew every single one of them. And we started out really, really rough. A couple guys got hurt, a couple more guys got hurt. Finally, I was down to a third string quarterback who was in my confirmation class the year before. And I looked at him and I said, Matthew, you're gonna have to run the last four minutes of the game. And he says, Coach Klink, which play should I run? I said, pick a couple, they know them all. We lost that game 63 to nothing. Yeah. Eight-minute running clock. In the second half, the clock ran the whole time. 63 to nothing. At the end of the game, the team on the other sideline was chanting, 70, 70, 70. 
Watch him pray. As we went across the field to shake hands after that particular little drubbing, what we had coached our boys to stood to the forefront, shoulders back, chin up, helmets on, mouthpiece in, hands extended. Good job, good game, good game, good game, good game. Fighting back tears, wiping tears, a little bit of anger burning in their souls from being pounded so thoroughly. We gathered the kids together after the game and words were hard to come by, but we took a collective deep breath. We acknowledged the difficulties together as a team, the injuries, the score, and the game that was to come next week. So get your chins up, get your shoulders back, stand up, take care of your injuries, take care of yourselves. We're gonna be okay, we're gonna be ready to play next week and probably get clobbered again. But if you remember, there was a greater focus than just the boys winning. It was about becoming young men. I remember wholeheartedly how angry the first coach was, the varsity coach was when they had run the score up on what the coach said was the little brothers of the JV. And the varsity came out and pounded them, which felt particularly good that day. <laughs> Watch and pray. Watch and pray. With the confidence that comes, not in a coach, but in a savior named Jesus. Watch and pray, not in vain, not distracted, but focused on the cross and focused on the prize. Because you are sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to win a few and we're going to lose a few. And sometimes we're going to get drubbed. But at the end of the day, Jesus is coming back. Our big brother is coming to take care of things and make things right. You stand with Jesus. His hands hold your heart and your lives. And so in these weeks before Christmas, we have an opportunity for renewal and growth to find a confidence and a posture of confidence to watch and pray. For at the end, we will stand with Him. Amen? Amen.